I'd like to welcome you to the fourth of our series of innovation podcasts. Uh, these talks are intended to put the spotlight on some amazing work being done by innovative UK firms. I'm Robert Baldock, the MD of Cluster, the innovation brokers. We help large companies with complex business challenges and or huge opportunities. We introduce them to our ecosystem of innovative firms that we know well and totally trust. These firms are uniquely qualified to solve problems, exploit opportunities and deliver the right solutions fast. The topic for today's podcast is innovation at scale. To help us all understand how to achieve this, may I introduce you to Simon Hill, who is the CEO of Wazuku, a leading provider of enterprise innovation tools and services. Simon, welcome. Thank you, Robert. Great to be here. So please tell us something about yourself, Wazuku, and your latest acquisition, Innocentive. Yeah, absolutely. And um, first of all, thank you for giving me uh, a platform to share on this uh you know sunny exciting time around uh, around the uk as well everyone's got a smile back on their face and a bit of a bit of spring and optimism in their step i think um so as you said i'm simon hill i'm the ceo and founder of um Wazoku. um we have a unique proposition out in the marketplace not not just as a software company but also that we come um with a sort of 360 degree offering to how we help firms solve problems and drive innovation at scale, um, empowered by a great piece of software, but also supported by some very capable people in my team, but also augmented by this incredible crowd of about half a million um, inventors and innovators around the world, which really equips us to help global organizations solve a myriad of different problem types um, at scale, and what I mean by that is sort of lots of them can be done in parallel, you sort of unbounded innovation capacity, um, and also quite low risk. You know, we help people to to quick, fit, quickly figure out whether the problem they're trying to solve is the right problem and whether it is even solvable. So we don't waste lots of time and money uh, running down rabbit holes. You've built quite an impressive client base of very large companies who are using your product to scale. Can you tell us about one or two of these clients and how you've helped them to date? Yeah, I, with uh, with delight, I will. And, and thank you for, for recognizing that as well. I think, you know, clearly we have a product that is meeting a need in the marketplace. And if you look at some of those brands, you know, I'll, I'll pick on a few. Um, we work globally with HSBC, for example, you know, a, a large financial services organization, extremely complex business who are looking to drive innovation from a very grassroots level. You know, how do you give a voice to people in your contact centers, those that are interfacing with your customers on a daily basis, but normally in quite a locked down environment to ensure that everything from little ideas that will improve the customer experience through to potentially ideas for new products and services are filtering their way through to the innovation teams, the product teams, or others in the organization. Um, and I think that theme of sort of democratizing ideas and democratizing innovation runs central to everything that we do, right? We believe fundamentally in the innate power of, of people to solve problems. Um, and that one of the things we've done as businesses is, is really strip back the ability to give people that, that voice around change and that voice around innovation. So we do that HSBC, we do it across, oh, I don't even know how many different use cases now, right? We're truly global. Every single bit of that business in some way, shape or form is starting to give a voice to its employees from 
so, you know, simple innovation fixes that just improve the customer experience, as I've said, through to truly the invention of new products and services, the fintechs that they're looking to associate with, and also increasingly on their sustainability agenda as well. And that vein runs across quite a few of our customers. We've just started working with Sandvik, the um, the Swedish-Swiss large um, engineering firm. Um, again, innovation and sustainability right at the heart of the thing they brought us in to do, right? So they have made a number of sustainability pledges, um, but put sustainability and innovation right at the top of their of their organization. The CEO, the board have made long-term pledges around the things that they wish to do and realize that innovation and sustainability go hand in hand. So how do we give a voice around innovation and sustainability to all of the 30,000 great minds that work at Sandvik well, you bring in a platform and you bring in a process and you set some ambitious goals around that, which is we want, you know, um, 100,000 great ideas from everybody who works here to help us to achieve this stated set of goals. And they've been very, very clear on what those goals are. And I think they are ambitious, right? Some organizations are guilty of, of theater or of really kind of talking, but not really walking on this stuff. Whereas I think these are truly ambitious goals. Those are the types of businesses we like to work with. Um, who recognize that you know, every little fix is a step towards solving a bigger problem and giving a voice to everybody, no matter what it might be, saving paper, right? Reduce the till rolls at a Waitrose store, um, saving some energy, turn the lights off every time we go home at night rather than leaving the city of London lit up all night for no apparent reason. All of these things drive a mindset of change, which feed the bigger opportunities as well. Impressive. So what does it take to innovate at scale? Indeed, is it even necessary? <laughs> um, I've been having a lot of conversations recently with um, with companies, and there was a phrase that stuck in my mind recently when I was talking to um, a friend of mine, um, where she described a lot of the activities that they had been doing in her previous company around innovation as just underwhelmingly subscale. Right? She's like, "There's a lot of good stuff going on, but it's just all underwhelmingly subscale." And I think that that, in a nutshell, is the other side of the coin of the innovation at scale piece that we're thinking about. Right? So. It's it's fundamentally necessary, and it's it's a part mindset um, that's that feeds a capability and a capacity. But the reality is, as organisations, you know, innovation uh, writ large sits front and centre on the promises, the values, the you know the, the 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 things that we're putting out as businesses. We all know, you know, the kind of the the monikers of innovate or die, but we just throw them around like they don't really matter. And partly because we think we're doing lots of great work, and we are, it's just hugely inefficient. And as I've said, it's all often subscale, right? You could probably find 50 examples of the great innovation that you're doing in your business in 50 different siloed parts of your company if you went to do it. I did that recently. I sat embarrassingly on a judging panel for a client who effectively realized that five of the ideas they were judging were just various versions of the same idea. Um, we didn't feed that process through with them. That was how I came in to start working with them. And it was a nice entry point to show what a more open way of working might, um, might feed. So it's critical. It's tough, though, right? And I think that how do we get out of this very localized way of working, thinking that innovation is the job of an innovation team, not the remit of everybody, thinking beyond the four walls of our organization, but also within the four walls of our organization, and really embracing co-creation as a concept um, is, is critical. 
Um, but you, you can boil it right the way down, as I said. So I think two terms, capability and capacity. I think we struggle with capability, knowing really what innovation means, what outcomes are we trying to drive, what behaviors do we expect from people, which feeds the capacity in an organization, not just of an innovation team, but of everybody to drive change. Um, and I think fundamentally, that's where this mindset needs to shift from, from little bits of activity or lots of micro activity into a consolidated operating system that innovation is right at the heart of. I think I'd add one more thing, which is leadership. Uh, the bigger the distance between the chief executive and the, the, the leadership of the innovation effort, the less likely you're going to do anything at scale, uh, is my experience. Yeah, I, and I, I think so. I fundamentally agree, which is why I really like the concept of, you know, of an operating model or a, a, a systemic approach. Right. So you have those things for other critical aspects in your organization. Right. You have an operating model for the things that you do. You do not for innovation. We've intentionally shoehorned it off to the side. And of course, therefore, it's shoehorned off to the side. It needs to come straight through the middle of your organization. Um, and, and sort of underpin, as does, I think, sustainability, right? They're kind of natural bedfellows, um, not least, as I said earlier, because I think no one understands either of them. So they kind of sit naturally together um, for that reason as well. Um, but they require a different form of thinking, but they also de depend fundamentally on, on being part of the core operating model of the business, not shoehorned off to the side. That's a good point. I uh, really like that one. A key question, which I probably should have asked you earlier, can a large old company become innovative? And if so, how? I fundamentally believe they can. They're really the types of businesses that we work with. You know, it's not that we don't have, um, you know, bleeding edge technology companies or others that are equally looking to harness and sustain a culture of innovation. But most of my customers are much more traditional businesses who are feeling the threat of disruption, who want to relearn how to be innovative. Um, and, and as I said, I think really just want to supercharge some of the subscale stuff that they're doing. It's not like they've got, you know, empty pockets, right? There's lots of money there that they can throw at these problems in the in the billions, depending on what sector you're in, right? Um, we are, um, and actually, they do do a good job as well. It's just it's often called different things or it's measured in different ways. And so, again, bringing that into your core operating model is is a way of thinking about this thing very differently. But you know, let's look at Microsoft, right? I think they're doing a phenomenal job of, of innovating and, and transforming their business and keeping themselves right at the top of the of the performance charts through innovation and constantly rethinking and challenging their, their own um, business model. Um, as I said a few times in this chat as well, I think sustainability is a driver and an opportunity in this, right? It is, um, it is, a, it is an opportunity for us all to think about how do we create our future business models, which our customers will demand, come with a sustainability element to them in a way that, that forces us right now, created a bit of urgency, because I think there's, a, there's always this fear of innovation that it's really urgent, but it's not quite as urgent as the next thing on the list. Um, and I think sustainability combined with innovation actually is one of those paradigm moments that we will see over the next few years thrust this more into the core psyche of the way that we work and hopefully drive that more onto the agendas of the leadership teams and the ways of working as a business. But it's it's hard. And as you've said before, it needs senior commitment, right? That's the reality. You're absolutely right about Microsoft because just thinking about it, there were at least two points in their history where they could have taken a nosedive um, and they reinvented themselves and look at them now. So yeah, you're absolutely right. 
So with all your experience of helping large companies innovate, what are your key do's and don'ts? Um, uh, I, I think the do is do understand that we, I, you know, I'm not criticizing many, if any. Right? I think we are doing some good things, but we are not joining the things up we are doing to facilitate them having impact at the scale that they that they should. So I think you know, do is 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 step back from what you're already doing and think about how we could supercharge that if we just um, if we just thought about it a little bit different and applied an innovation at scale mindset. Um, and I think you've seen the report that we put out on this that I think really does dig into this in, in, with much more practical guidance and, and research and supports. And that I'd encourage people to go and uh, go and check out who are listening. I think do take a long term mindset. You know, this is not a, a, a fix it for tomorrow um, type activity. However, one of the things we, we do talk about is that um, you need, do need to get started. And so thinking about innovation as a bit of a journey that starts at an innovation event, whatever that might be. Right? I've got a problem that I'm trying to solve right now um, that helps to build you on that, get the ball rolling on that journey towards building the capability I spoke about earlier, which feeds towards getting into this into a, a systemic approach to innovation. But that that takes time, right? We all know that we're fighting corporate antibodies that have been put in place over years and years and years. And so do take a long-term mindset. I think do be open. You know, too many times I hear people telling me, oh, I don't have creative people in my business or I need to go externally for those things. And you know, it drives me crazy. Like I said, I have a fundamental firm belief in the innate human power to solve problems and be creative, right? We see parents doing it all the time, and those same non-creative parents then go to go to work. Sorry, creative parents go to work and told they're not creative, um, and it's you know it's incredibly frustrating for me. Um, and I think do have a vision, right? I think that's part of the challenge is, is that we're too fluid in that vision. We set one and then we we move on from it and we move to the next one um, too 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 flippantly. Um, the thing that drives me most mad, and I've alluded to already in this chat, as a, on my don't side, is is don't pretend, right? Don't I call it innovation theatre? There's a piece in the report where I said this isn't Broadway. Let's stop acting. And there's too much of this happening, right? And it's it's the same in the sustainability world. There's lots of great words. There's very little great action in any meaningful sense, right? And it's a lot of bluster. It's you know it's good for sticking in your prospectuses to attract a few new employees in at the grad level. It's good for your shareholder reports, but it's not it's not meaningful, really, in many senses. Um, and so I think we've got to get past the bluster into something a little bit more um, and don't expect a moonshot either. Right. That's the that's the other piece. And so if you're if you're not if you're, if you're doing all the other things and you're, you, that I've just mentioned, the moonshot is, you know, close your eyes, blindfold yourself, throw a dart. And if you hit bullseye, you've just struck gold. Right. But that doesn't happen. We all know that. Um, and so that's probably my my key do's and don'ts. Just picking up on something you said, I think there's an inverse relationship between the amount of PR that pulls out of the innovation team and the amount of innovation they're doing. Because if you're really doing a lot of innovation, you've got no time to do the PR and vice versa. Exactly, exactly. And also, a lot of really good innovation isn't PRable, right? It's it's behind the it's kept, scenes. It's, it's not. Quiet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's either kept quiet or it's um it's behind the scenes, right? It's like it's stuff that makes the stuff work or whatever it might be. Uh, but it's it's really important, and that's the that's where a lot of the gains are actually in terms of the things that we're doing, not not necessarily in the really big stories. So there are many other firms offering products and services such as yours. What makes yours different or better? Um, 
There are, in the broad space, lots of different firms talking about and promising the things that we do. Actually, in terms of the specifics of what Wazoku does, there really aren't, um, if there are any others, there aren't many others, right? You know, we we have analysts talking about a truly unique value proposition, right? Third-party validated uh, opinions on this in terms of the um, the approach and the, the scale that we can support large organizations in working. You know, our USP is that we have the software plus the crowd in terms of supporting organizations to to innovate um, at scale. So sure, you can go and find you know a simple ideas software, and you can probably go and find someone that tells you they've got a crowd or whatever it is. But that really joined up piece for supporting this as a part of the way that you work as a business. You've got to think about this as an as an enterprise operating model. Right, buying bits of point solution will only get you so far. Buying an enterprise grade tool that is what has to follow in the footsteps of all of the the really important topics that we're talking about here. And and really, you're in a, you're in a, a very shallow pool of Wizoku plus, you know, maybe, as I said, one or two others, if you're stretching it a bit. My final question, Simon, it's an off the wall question. If you could solve any world or local problem right now, what would it be? Mine would be to help all who suffer from COVID get back on their feet again. So this is a great question for me because the answer is we already are right. It's what we it's what we do every single day for organizations. Um, you know, I, I had a look before coming on this call at some of the amazing challenges that we're either running on our incentive.com website already um, or have just run or are planning to running soon. And they cover topics, as you've just said, for including bounce back challenges related to helping to bounce back from COVID. Um, we have a clean air challenge. We've just pushed one out around glass recycling and and, and um, we have a, a, a challenge that closed re recently looking at earthquake resilience in the developing world. We have a whole heap of these different things. Um, a malaria prevention challenge we're running on behalf of a not-for-profit. So yeah, I can add my own, but the reality is the world are coming to me with their biggest problems that they can't solve and we're helping them to solve them and we're solving them eight out of ten times and these are big complex things right that um that they can solve for relatively low cost and relatively low risk um so yeah great question and uh, and i think anyone who wants to see those just go to incentive.com and they're all public you can see them and you can you can sort of substantiate what i'm talking about fantastic great well look simon thank you for being my guest today and for telling us how to innovate at scale. As, as Simon mentioned, there's a paper they've written on that very subject. I think it's on your website, uh, Simon. If I It is. Well, that's it for now. Do look out for our next episode of Cluster Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Robert Bulldock, wishing you a safe but hopefully innovative day. Mm -hmm.